0-2 pitch on the way. Swung on a ground ball to short. Elvis is right there. Turns, throws to first for the out. And Chris Bassett has thrown the game of his life. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Joining us now, the president of the Oakland A's, Dave Cobble. Dave, how are you this morning? Morning, Dave. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So you spent the last week here in Vegas. You leave Vegas thinking this city's a no-brainer for Major League Baseball or this city might not work for Major League Baseball. Well, we had a great first trip. You know, everyone really rolled out the red carpet and um, really showed us uh, a great uh, side of Las Vegas, especially we went to the games, the aviators. We saw the Golden Knights, uh, got a great sense of the local market and really the passion for sports in Southern Nevada. You, I want to ask you, Dave, you know, and you spent some days here and you talked to a lot of people because that's Tyler mentions the, the, uh, an important question here in terms of the market. And, you know, there are certain markets around the country. The feeling is, hey, are you going to oversaturate? And, you know, t- you know, TV markets and all of that is is there too many sports coming when you think of Vegas and what you've heard? Tell us your thoughts on that, because people also say, hey, T-Mobile is ready for an NBA team tomorrow. Is there something in your mind too much for a city in this market? Well, I think the success of both the Raiders and the Golden Knights and even the Aviators to a degree um, really demonstrates the depth of the local market, which is something that I think was eye-opening on our trip this week. And, you know, I think when you marry that with 40 million tourists that come in and out of uh, the southern Nevada area every year, you have a really interesting recipe for a successful sports enterprise. And I think that our trip was to really identify that, learn more about it, uh, and then also continue to have conversation with local folks uh, to learn more. Uh, Dave Cobble with us, the Oakland A's president. So is Las Vegas leveraged to get $855 million out of Oakland for uh, your Howard Terminal site? Well, I think it's important to remember that it's very unusual for Major League Baseball to take a public stance to direct a team like the A's to explore um, other markets uh, like Las Vegas. I think the league and ourselves feels that the progress in Oakland has just not been uh, fast enough. We spent almost five years, and we still have a, a ways of a way to go. And so we've um, started the process in southern Nevada to meet with key stakeholders to understand what's possible. And that's a very serious process. You know, only one team has really been given authorization to do that in the past, and that was the Expos when they moved uh, to, to Washington, D.C. So it's a big step. It's a big deal that the league is very involved in this. We're working with them shoulder to shoulder, and uh, we're going to continue our efforts in Las Vegas and and uh, we were already planning plenty of second and a third trip um, very shortly. Uh, and and that's that's another point in terms of public private. We know obviously you know what the Raiders were able to get out of the, out of the legislature. They went to Henderson. You know they many people thought they got a very good deal on the land. Um, and that's I think a main question for a lot of people in town in terms of the public private. When you start those negotiations, is it always? hey, this is how much money we would need, or is this is the land? Because I think there's an obvious situation here where you'd want to develop around it, much like you want to do in Oakland. Like, what's the breadth or scope of public-private in your mind? Uh, Well, I think we're just scratching the surface on how a public-private partnership can work. I think what's really um, impressive to see is how there's so many projects in southern Nevada, whether it's um, Allegiant Stadium, whether it's what the Aviators did, Um, obviously T-Mobile, that have included different aspects of partnering. And, you know, obviously it's very obvious that 
Uh, Las Vegas is a can-do town. You know, people get to yes. They do everything they can to see if something can happen. And that type of partnership is necessary when you're doing a big project like a ballpark or a stadium. And so I think we're really impressed with that. I think additional information on how a public-private partnership will work is really going to be fleshed out over time when we learn what location makes the most sense, who we're partnering with, is it city, is it county, and that'll be something that we kind of work through over the next you know, several months. Would you consider moving the team to Las Vegas if there was zero public dollars on the table? You know, I think right now we're still in an early fact-finding stage. We're trying to determine the, the depth and breadth of the market. We're trying to determine where the stadium could even go. You know, I think we looked at probably 15 different locations, you know, on and off the Strip, in Henderson, Summerlin. You know, the mayor did a great job hosting us. We looked at Cashman Field, where obviously there was a baseball team at one point. So we're looking at all these different options to understand what makes the most sense. And as that gets flushed out, as we learn more, I think that'll drive more conversations about what a public-private partnership would look like. All along uh, in talking to the Raiders as, as they went along, and look, we as I wrote about Mark Davis, they, they both sides, both Oakland and, and the Raiders, always say, well, eventually the entire narrative will come through or come out. We're not really sure what that means. But even recently, Bedane said, if anyone doesn't believe he wanted to stay in Oakland, if something could happen, they're ignorant to that point or that argument. Let me switch it to the A's. If something can happen there that has not happened, obviously, in, in several, several years, is that your number one goal, to get that done up there, no matter what enticements might be in other cities? We're really on parallel paths. You know, we're running out of time. Our current lease of the Coliseum expires in 2024. The facility is probably 10 years past its useful life. Right. We have a hard time keeping the light standards working. You know, they've mm-hmm. broken a couple times in the last couple of years. The water table is, like, encroaching on the field. So we really need to bring this to some kind of resolution this year, one way or the other. We have a vote in Oakland on the 20th of July. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we've worked five years. We're hoping that that's an affirmative vote. But I think we all understand that, you know, the last five years, the progress has been slow. The league has seen that. We've seen that. We agree with them. And we need to have other options that are real, that we are really engaged in in a thoughtful and sincere way. And that's exactly what we're doing with, with Southern Nevada and and the key stakeholders. So with the, the lease in Oakland, you guys have through 2024 and the time it would take to build a ballpark. If you did move to Las Vegas, you kind of would have to start now to have it ready for the 2025 season. So how quickly are you looking at this? I know this is the first step, but how quickly does step two and step three come given that you, you might need a place to play in 2025. And if you're moving to Vegas, ideally you'd come here in a brand new ballpark then. Yeah, I mean, we need to have our foot on the gas. Like I said, you know, we don't have a lot of time left in our current facility. Um, it's already substandard. It's become an issue in the collective bargaining agreement because visiting teams don't like playing there. So, you know, it's, it's really go time, you know, on these two parallel paths, Southern Nevada and then also in Oakland. And I think you'll continue to see us pushing um, to ensure that we have options and that we engage, you know, everyone, the different communities, in a thoughtful way to bring this to, to some type of conclusion. I mean, it's been a 20-year saga trying to figure out where the eighth ballpark is going to be. All major league teams have to have a viable ballpark to play in, or it doesn't work. And that's really what we need to solve for. I'm really jumping ahead here, and you probably won't answer it. But let me ask this, because I was actually – I heard this the other day, and I just on a basis of my own knowledge – I don't know. I'm not saying you're going to end up here. When you looked at a legion, excuse me, when you looked at the ballpark in Summerlin, there, can that, let's say the decision is you're coming and that's expanded, could that be expanded to Major League Stadium? I'm just from my own like information. Could that happen? 
You know, I don't know if we know an answer to that. You know, we have a great partnership with Howard Hughes, who's the owner, obviously Don Logan, who's one of the best operators in sports. Those are things that can be evaluated over time. You know, I think you have to think about how to get the people in and out of Mm -hmm. the facility. So it's not just even the size and the number of seats, but it's can it have enough parking or transit or ways that people can get in and out. And I think those are the areas that that worry me more about Mm -hmm. the current venue. But it is an incredible stadium. It's like one of the top in all AAA, probably the top. Uh, Our players love it there. It's got a great view of the Strip, and I think it's a a great um, way to showcase what, you know, Las Vegas and Southern Nevada can be for for baseball. You said you're planning a second and third trip here. Are you going to any other cities? Not right now. You know, right now I'm focused on going back to New York next week, sitting down with the commissioner, giving him an update on what happened this last week. Um, Then there's going to be additional trips to Southern Nevada. We have no... Uh, additional trips planned to any other markets. I know there were some rumors about Portland and stuff like that, and maybe Vancouver, but that is not happening. We're focused on, you know, parallel paths. We have the Oakland effort. We have the effort in Las Vegas, and that's really where we are right now and, and trying to make progress. And, and like I said, you know, bring this 20-year journey uh, to some type of conclusion that is fair to our fans, to our players, to all the other stakeholders, Major League Baseball, because we really need an answer and we really need to move to that next phase for the organization. You said it's the July vote. Obviously, like you said, it's been going 20 years, so I don't know what else new can be said to the other side. So at this point, is it just in their hands? Are there a lot more meetings between you and them? Do you say, hey, this is what we saw in Southern Nevada? I mean, what is now the communication with Oakland? Or because it's gone on so long, they're either going to make the decision or not, and there's nothing else new to say. Well, we made our proposal, you know, back in January. We worked almost a year with the city coming up to that. You know, we're investing uh, a huge amount of money, uh, we have some, obviously, some asks of the city as well. And it really comes down to a public policy decision. You know, does the city council want to have a waterfront ballpark or not? And there are some people, obviously, in opposition. Some people want more of a maritime flavor down there. And we're at the point where we just need to call the question and no, one way or the other, bring it to a resolution. And that's what July is about. Well, he is Dave Cowell, the president of the Oakland A's. Uh, Dave, we appreciate your time this morning. Good luck. Thanks, Dave. Best of luck. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. Take, Take care. care. That's interesting. Good that we got him. I liked, uh, you know, we needed some explanations there after he was here three or four days. So he, did, he didn't answer a lot of the questions. But no, what but we I didn't found, expect at this point, like a first, first visit. What I found most interesting was you asked him, is Oakland like the number one option? Like if something, if they're willing to give you public money, is Oakland the number one option? And he did not say yes to that question. I thought the fact that he basically said, there are rumors about Portland, but right now it's Oakland and Vegas. Yeah. Like, I, is, I, has that been what, reported? I found it interesting. He you says you're coming back two or three more visits like so, that. I didn't. I thought if they came back for a second time, it was live and it was real. But he's talking about two or three visits. Well, so, it's also Vegas. I mean, come on. <laughs> he was the Golden Knights still might be playing. He, he's, he's a big fan of game, Golden Knights in Game Seven. Okay, so the Oakland A's and their their threat to move. I have spent most of this time assuming that it's a leverage play, assuming mm-hmm. that they would prefer to stay in Oakland. And Dave Cobble coming on this show plays exactly into that, right? They want media coverage here that says the Oakland A's want to come to Vegas. They want media coverage here that says this could really happen because that puts pressure on Oakland to say, oh God, we're going to lose the Oakland A's just like we lost the Raiders. We better give them money. 
Maybe he's really good at it, but none of his answers made me think he has any interest in staying in Oakland. Yeah. Not a single thing he said made no. me think he wants no. to stay in Oakland. And again, maybe he's good at what exactly what I think they're doing, and that is trying to leverage $855 million in public money out of Oakland for infrastructure money, but not a single answer he gave made me think he even wants to be in Oakland anymore. I agree with you. I think uh, I think he saw a lot of stuff. He Did he say 16 different sites? 16 sites. He did more. I've got to be honest with you. Like I said last week, if this is all that happened and what he said happened, like he did a lot more than I thought he would. Like I was under the impression from what I heard, this was shake a lot of hands, play some golf, look at the Golden Knights, and just put a face to all these people. Like, you know, this is the mayor. This is the Mary Henderson. This is who this is. It appeared they went a lot deeper if they're if they're seeing 16 sites than what I thought it was going to be because I always thought it was a leverage play. He'd go back and see what Oakland did, and if Oakland on the 18th of July said, no, we're not giving you money, then you come back for the second visit. He's already talking about a second and third visit. Well, it, I think it has to do with the timeline because, again, their lease in the Coliseum is up in 2024. So to start the 2025 baseball well, season. you got to start that ballpark quick. Right, if that was the plan. Yeah they would need to pretty much start construction now, like in a sense, like two years is probably the max to build that thing. So oh, yeah. you would need to start it very soon. So if they're serious about moving, he should be serious about, Hey, let's get this done. Now. The problem is if there's going to be public money. And again, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know who's paying that. I know Mick Akers reported that there he had a source that said the county would not be that interested in giving up a bunch of public money. So I don't know where it comes from, but that's going to take time too. Like the the time it took for the Raiders to get $750 million, even if it's $100, $200, $300 million, even if it's half of what the Raiders got, it's still going to take a long time for that process to play out to give it to the A's. What if it's land? That's probably what makes the most sense, but that's not that... that's not as valuable to the A's as the straight up money because, like, what the, the they want eight hundred million from Oakland for infrastructure. Yeah, so like, take um, the Raiders practice facility for example, out in Henderson. Let's just say the A's decide we're building out in Henderson because there's a lot of land in Henderson. Right. That land was valued at twelve million dollars. They got it for and six. Henderson gave it to him for six. So let's say there's a plot and of they land sold it for- that's uh, yeah. Let's say there's a plot of land that's worth twenty million, thirty million, like. That's nothing when it comes to like what a team wants for stadium public money. So no. and as a as like a city or a county, if that's all we gave up was here's right. twenty million dollars worth oh. of land, that's probably better than you could expect yes. of what our city and county would do. But I don't know if that would be enough. Like I asked him, would you come here without public money? And he didn't really answer no. that question. Would and the other thing, and I, I someone had mentioned this, and I don't think this would happen for a different reason, or one of the reasons he said is I do think you could expand downtown ballpark Summerlin to like 35,000 feet or seats. I think that could happen. I think you build up in right field from what I've been told that could happen. I think the problem with that is, is Howard Hughes, who he said they're partners with or they're friends with, they already have the development around there. They already have the shops. Yeah. They already have everything. These guys want development. I mean, there's, it's like, yeah. the, it's, it's Seth Klarman. It's I'll build you your stupid MLS stadium, but you're giving me all this land because I'm going to develop it. So the, I don't think they're coming here just for a ballpark. They want, look at the the uh, $12 billion right. proposal it's, in Oakland, you know, down by the waterfront. It's really not about the ballpark to a lot of people with money. It's about everything you can put right. around it. So I don't think the downtown Summerlin ballpark would make sense because it's already developed. And Howard Hughes, they developed it. Yeah. You know, so again, I I agree with you. It's public-private, but this isn't just about a billion-dollar ballpark. 
This is about everything else they want around. I'm not saying they're wrong. That's what money people do. They want to make more money. But I, I saw their, you know, I saw that it's okay. It's a billion dollar ballpark because it's going to have to probably have a roof. But that's not where they're stopping with this. No, no, <laughs> it's just not. You're, you're right. What they want in Oakland is a twelve, thirteen billion dollar. Yes, that includes the ballpark. Yeah, and yeah. the ballpark just happens to be there. Right. So if they want to do that here. I would look at him and say, all right, go for it. We'll give you the land, but nothing else, because you apparently have 12 or $13 billion to throw around, so good luck. All right, coming up next, uh, what are we doing next? Oh, we'll jump in a little bit in the Raiders, because John Gruden, a top-five coach most likely to be fired. I mean, it's really just people who don't wake up and do what we do every single day, speaking on what we do every single day. So, you know, at the same time, it's like, we understand people going to have their opinions, but, you know, you can't tell me how to drive a car you ain't never drove. You know what I'm saying? So that's how, that's kind of how I look at it. Make up stuff. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. I'll tell that guy how to drive a car. Who was that? Right, you weren't on yesterday, so that was Cleveland Furl uh, talking about people criticizing he the defense. He took the bait! Yeah, and... He, people criticizing him? The defense. Uh, and to be fair, he, he did say that like he was... Very forthcoming about the defense not being good enough and them okay. losing a lot. But about the criticism, he was talking about, oh, it's people who don't play football who are criticizing us. But the analogy he used was you can't tell someone how to drive a car that you've never driven before. And I feel people like you tell a, me all the time. Well, I was going to say, I think that's a bad analogy, because if you know how to drive a car, you can tell someone else how to drive a different car. Like, they're not that different from each other. Yeah. I can't drive an automatic. That's well, Jared's weird over here. You don't count. You are the... Um, Exception. So, Bet Online, very reputable site. Um, they have odds on who will be the first coach to get fired in the NFL. Number one is Mike McCarthy. Uh, Vic Fangio is second. Matt Nagy is third. And John Gruden comes in as the fourth most likely coach to be the first one fired. In the NFL. This season? This season. Well, I guess it just means period. If they win a whole year with nobody getting fired, maybe it rolls over. But somebody's getting fired. It's the NFL. Um, So, yeah, fourth most likely coach to be fired first this season. Um, We've talked a lot about this. Gruden's Leicester City. There's no chance he's getting fired. McCarthy, I could see. Jared doesn't mess around. I mean, he doesn't sit around and, and wait for anybody. Uh, he waited a little too much time on Garrett, but now I think he, you know, it's been a while since they won anything. Uh, I Fangio and Nagy, like all those I can see, you get to the fourth guy, Gruden is not getting fired. So here's the thing. On most NFL teams, Gruden being on this list would make a lot of sense. Because Absolutely. Well, most years, NFL teams, he wouldn't have a 10-year contract. That, well, yeah. <laughs> three years, no playoffs. Hell, he might have been already fired by now at a lot of NFL places. And you go into your fourth season – if they start the year, you know, two and six or right. something like that, like most places, it's very easy to see. Yeah. John Gruden gets fired yeah. seven, eight weeks into the season because it's been three and a half years and they have shown virtually no progress. They have nothing to show for it. But we've talked about this a lot. This isn't most teams. Mark Davis is, uh, seems to be enamored with John Gruden and he has that 10 year contract that granted, we don't know how much of that is guaranteed if there's any out clauses or anything like that, but it's hard to imagine John Gruden getting fired four years into a 10-year deal if Mark Davis has to, in fact, pay the rest of that out. So most teams, yeah, I'd say John Gruden makes a lot of sense on this list, but there's no way it happens. I would be Zero. more willing to bet. Zero. I'd be more willing to bet John Gruden wins coach of the year than oh, yeah. I would that yeah. he is one of the first coaches. No chance fired. he's getting fired. 
Because even on the coach of the year bet, the Raiders have pretty low expectations. Like if they make the playoffs, John Gruden is in coach of the year conversation. Absolutely. There's Absolutely. probably going to be like a surprise division winner and that guy wins coach of the year or something like that. But if the Raiders make the playoffs, Gruden's in coach of the year conversation. I'm not hoping for an injury, obviously, but if he even wins two games with Nathan Peterman, I'd say <laughs> coach of the year automatic. Well, then there'd have to be two injuries. Because the big guys, no, the, the, the big guys, remember the they don't remember they don't play Marcus Mariota even <laughs> even when Derek Carr's hurt. The, the, the big guys, the big guys, uh, 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 he's number two. Do you know how funny it would be if Carr and Mariota both got hurt? Well, that wouldn't be funny. And Peterman's the starting quarterback, and the Raiders go two and fifteen, and they give Gruden coach of the year because of exactly what Jared said. Like, holy hell, you won two games with that guy. <laughs> Oh, my, this is the and, best coaching job I've ever seen. And knowing how stupid the AFC West is, it'll be he beat the Chiefs. Yes, oh, absolutely. Peterman will outdo oh, Patrick Mahomes. If Peterman beats Mahomes in Kansas City, that's a 10-lap oh, ride. And, and they, they'll, 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 they'll be taking laps like with, by Monday. I and mean, perfectly warranted. Don't even come oh, home. Yeah. Just, keep, just keep doing laps around the play, stadium. The next week, yeah. don't even play your game. You're oh, just great. driving your bus just, around while the Chiefs are playing somebody else. Guys, there's no media availability. They're still on the bus. But it's Wednesday. They're still on the bus. Johnny can't do Zooms. There's no wireless in the bus, but they're still doing laps around the stadium. Gruden sent Jonathan Abram out with a big gas can to go (laughs) refill the bus so he could keep making laps. Uh, There's no chance he gets fired. I mean, you got to... I got, I don't know who... I I don't know where they came up in terms of the list. The first two or three make make sense. I mean, I'm sorry. I'd put Zimmer ahead of Gruden. Well, I'd I'd actually put most ahead of Gruden. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, he's got a ten-year contract. They're not firing him for four years. I right. Mean, it's it's crazy to say, but like Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Bruce Arians, like you you can probably only name five, six, seven coaches that. I are, don't know if you get to six or seven. Those three, safer. yes, I yeah. get those three, but six that or seven because like he's he's not going anywhere. No, like it's just not happening. No, because again, they're gonna be. They're going to be nine and eight or eight and nine and on the precipice right on the edge. And that will be enough for them to explain we're, we're this close, we're this close, we're this close. When you have a 10 year deal, if in fact it's a 10 year deal, you make a good point. We talk about this all the time. We have no idea what this deal is. They said 10 years. It could be six and an, and an out. I hope there was an out. I can't believe you really gave someone <laughs> 10 years guaranteed. There's got to be an out clause. If you keep being what they've been, well, not what they've been, because I think they're four and, what were they, four and 12 the first year? But if you keep being around that nine and eight, eight and nine, that 10-year deal gives you the juice to explain, no, 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 we're really close. And it was only Gus Bradley's first year. You can also, you can almost see kind of the narrative play out if they once again are kind of like that 500 team and maybe the defense is just a little better. Well, no, we'll be better next year. I mean, short of winning one or two, which they're not going to do, they're going to win eight or nine, he, there's no chance. Yeah. He's, he shouldn't even be on that list. Yeah, they're not They're not bad enough to finish no, with no three chance. or four wins. No. They're just not. Uh, but the offense is too good. They're not They're not going to only finish that many. That's the problem also. Yes, well, no, that, that's the main they're problem. In they're in purgatory. That's the main, It's horrible to be in that. Yeah, You're going to pick 17 we, or 18 every year, and you're not going to make the You're playoffs. never going to get a pass rusher. Right. You're never going to like get like a high-impact no. guy. The best is to suffer like the Browns or whoever. And rebuild, or well, the best is to be, you know, <laughs> Tampa Bay or the the Chiefs right now. But yeah, the worst is to be 
in the middle ground and not make the playoffs. It's one thing if you're in the middle ground and you're making the playoffs, because there's teams like that too who kind of get in as wild cards. But it's like, oh, no, you made the playoffs. There's progress. The worst is like purgatory never made the playoffs. And yeah. it's like, what, what's going on? That's where they've been for yeah. a long time. They haven't had, they've had what, one or two, two top five picks in the last decade despite yeah. never making or making the playoffs one time? Yeah. It's not good. All right, coming up next, we got to reorganize the show a little bit. It's the front page. In the morning, when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate, and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? It's finally here. We are 25 and a half hours away from the <laughs> Champions League. I think I did my math wrong too, but more than that. Um, from the Champions League final, Chelsea plays Man City tomorrow. Ed has Man City. Jared, who had the field. I had Bayern Munich. Jared, who had the field, is stuck with Chelsea in the title game. Lunch is on the line for one of you two. Uh, I got to buy half of it either way. How you feeling, Ed? I feel strong. There's Man no City has that. lost twice to Chelsea in the last three months. Yeah, I feel strong about it. Haven't played our best team. Uh, we've been waiting for this. They're they're uh, they're minus a dollar. Well, they're minus one fifteen. So uh, Chelsea almost plus four dollars. Books know what they're talking about. And uh, number four, no lettuce, cheese, extra mayo. Ooh. So I can go <laughs> make enough money to buy this lunch if I bet on Chelsea. You could, yeah, yeah, you could. You could. So. I think so. Jared, how are you feeling? I'm just I happy mean, you to be coasted a part of this. in here. You yeah. just coasted in here. Yeah. This is sort of my life. Like I just <laughs> have Well, listen, we did this stupid bet, and for some reason we gave Jared the field. And then once the bracket actually came out, Bayern Munich and Man City were on the same damn side of the bracket. So even if Bayern Munich had beaten PSG, Jared was always he was, going to he was have always a team gonna be in the, the final. final. Yeah, he was always gonna be in the final. Always gonna have a team in the final, but He's got a pretty sizable underdog, even though Chelsea is almost four dollars. Yeah, I'll, what I am cheering for, I don't know which one of you I actually want to buy lunch for, but what I am cheering for. Have you heard what I want? Yeah, I know, but what I am cheering for <laughs> is for Christian Pulisic to score a goal. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Come on, Ed. No. America's okay, more important yes. than your sandwich. Yes. Let's get the American to score a goal in a three-one defeat. Yes. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. What What is the if it's nil-nil at full time, like what's the... They go to extra time extra. for 30 minutes and then it goes to penalties. Kicks. Okay. So what I need is I needed to go to to penalties and his goalie not to uh, make yeah. the shot. Oh, it helped. Oh, you missed it. The Europa League final was on Wednesday. Um, they went to penalties and Villarreal beat uh, Man United 11-10 on penalties. The only guy that missed a penalty was Man United's goalie. 
Oh. Every single person made us made their That's penalties, great. and so the goalies had to kick. Villarreal's goalie right. drilled his like unbelievably great penalty, and Man United's David oh. Gea is the only one. The that disaster. Does. Yeah, you can wow. you can say one hundred percent he's responsible for the loss because he didn't save a single penalty in eleven <laughs> tries, and he was the only one to miss. Next question. I did want to mention this game. The Nuggets beat the Blazers last night. And my favorite part is the Nuggets shooting free throws up three with about four seconds left. Missed both of them. So the Blazers, if they get a defensive rebound, had a chance to go score and tie the game. No, Nikola Jokic got two offensive rebounds that he just kept tipping up there until it went in. I don't think his feet left the floor. Twice the MVP. Twice the MVP. The MVP this year be the first NBA MVP ever who can't jump. Yes. His vertical is maybe two inches, and he sealed the game with multiple offensive rebounds. I it was love, hilarious. I love watching him like take a jump shot because he doesn't jump. No, well, he he's doesn't. completely slow motion. It's bizarre. His when he when he is like in the post and uses his spin move. It is the slowest thing like I've ever seen. It lasts like 10 seconds. And this it is, works. This is not the feet of Hakeem Olajuwon. No, <laughs> but it works. It's like... This isn't even the feet of Bill Walton after Bill Walton couldn't walk. <laughs> Bill Walton will still have better feet than Joker. He's slow and can't jump, and he's unstoppable. And he's the MVP. He's unstoppable. <laughs> it's the it's the pitcher who throws like 45 miles an hour, and so the guy gets already swung, and then the ball goes yes. by. Yes, yes. I'm out. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, he loves him some Tim Tebow. He's just a guy that you want to be around. Character is awesome. Had a few conversations with him, and I can already tell he's just a hard worker. No one is going to work harder than him. He told that to the Associated Press. Tebow's going to make the team just by working <laughs> that's because, hard? That's because Tebow said, Trevor, no one will outwork me. And then Trevor went on the media and said, well, I don't think anyone's outworking this guy. He told me so. Um, I think he's making the team. I do. I think he's making the team. Well, we had. If Dave Cavall is going around Las Vegas telling media how much the A's are coming, I think this is Urban telling people, talk up Timmy. He's making the team. Yeah, I was actually about to ask. Talk up Timmy. Who's selling? Who's, yeah, who, who's exactly. doing better who's PR selling Timmy? Sim, uh, sales? The, yeah. uh, the, the A's, A's or Timmy? ESPN we have on TV in the studio here. Earlier in the day, they had on their bottom line, like their, the topic they were discussing was Tim Tebow and that he caught two touchdown passes in OTAs. Like, wh what? OTAs are great because it's almost like stats from seven on sevens. Jimmy was six of seven with five TDs. Now they had shorts on and helmets, but that's okay. It was seven on sevens. We used to, when I was in San Diego, there were radio hosts there who literally would report seven-on-seven seven stats as if they matter. Like, Chargers are going to be great this year. Phillip Rivers was 14-15 uh, of 15 yesterday. Like, those are seven-on-sevens. Like, they didn't even have pads on. Did you see um, John McClain, who covers the Texans for the okay. Houston Chronicle yesterday? I know who John McClain is, no. So he covers the Texans. Mm -hmm. They went to OTAs. Apparently, the Texans handed out a roster to the media mm -hmm. yeah. for OTAs. Yeah. And they did not have numbers on the roster. It was just a list of player names. And John McClain did a two-minute video that the Houston Chronicle tweeted out about how they've got 40 new players at camp this year. We don't know who any of these guys are. And they gave us a roster with no names. And he ripped it up on no this numbers. video and like threw the paper up in the air and was like, hopefully we'll get more information in the future. 
It was phenomenal. John McClain's probably I'm trying to think. Might be the most powerful beat writer in the NFL. Well, he, he started the video off with he's I saw something today I haven't seen in my 45 yeah, years no, he's, covering the NFL. He's, uh, <laughs> he's the leader in the clubhouse, I think, for influence in the NFL. So he can do those things. Do you think that's on purpose or the PR people just messed that up? He said it was on purpose. It had to be. He was well, like, you give a roster with yeah, no numbers. He said they did it on. He he was but convinced. Why, they did okay, it. tell me the reason why. Why would you? What what would be the point of that? So you can't criticize like you if you see somebody like dragging ass out there, you can't be I like, guess. hey, this guy they just brought in is not looking great in camp. I guess. But it's you're the, just like that fat guy's moving slow. But it's the Texans, like it. I mean, did they think no one would see if Deshaun Watson was there or not? (laughs) They snuck him in as like number 47. Exactly. With like a, a, you know, a dark shirt on other than a red quarterback (laughs) shirt on. He had like a black shirt on with 47. Like, who's that guy? Why is he throwing the ball? I it was it was a phenomenal video because I it just a beat writer with a piece of paper just ripping it up on camera and tossing it in the air. It was great. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. UNLV's win total. Oh. In football. Yeah. According to DraftKings, is one and a half games. I'm going to go over. <laughs> they better go over. <laughs> if they're at one, I there's mean, some, something's wrong in the old homestead, man. One is an infinite improvement over the cur- current record of zero. <sighs> I go over. Let me ask you this. And this was early power ratings by Ralph Michaels in town, and he also gave the odds. Did you see some of the early odds on like the ASU game and the Iowa State game? Were like in, ASU was like thirty nine. That doesn't make sense, does it? UNLV like the problem. I know, for, but thirty nine. The problem for UNLV's season last year was a obviously they won zero games. They were non competitive in every single game they played. Like they Man. got blown out by Mountain West teams last year. So I even, saw some of these. St- now some of them were like Utah State was a pick 'em at New Mexico's three. Right. Other than East West, like the non-conference, like Iowa State, which is here, I guess. Yes. They were near 40. Yeah. Now, they're like a top 10 team. But right. I mean, man, I'm like, those are huge numbers. You're coming. The only information we have on the Marcus Arroyo era is an 0-6 season where they lost by, what, an average of 20-something points right. per game. Like, so, okay, they're playing Arizona State. They're playing, and that was against all Mountain West teams. So, yeah, you're I playing just... a power conference team. Yeah, you're probably going to lose by 30, 40 man. points. Unlike, I, I don't know why I was shocked, I guess, because he, they won zero. But I, it's such a huge number now. Someone asked Ralph Michaels, he goes, it's early power ratings. But if it's 39 now, it's probably not going to come down very much. It's not going to no. go to 20. Yeah. So I I get it. I understand it. I mean, you don't you don't have any information about UNLV that would imply they're going to be. I mean, they had a good recruiting class. But... I think they're I think they're three or four. Wins? Yeah. So I think they can get three. I think you look at. You look at the schedule. Eastern Washington is not a guaranteed win, no, but, it's, but it's very winnable. Yes, exactly. Utah State and New Mexico yes, are both are winnable because yes. those are both also yes. expected those bottom are the closest feeders odds. in the Mountain West. Those are the three games you're yeah. looking at. You've got a good chance to win all three of right. those. And maybe they get all three. I doubt it, but maybe they get all three. Then you have nine other games on the schedule where they right now would be a pretty sizable yes. underdog. Somebody else in the Mountain West is going to suck. Somebody else that we don't expect is going to be awful. Hawaii, for example, right. might just be horrific this year. And that would give you a four sort of winnable game. And then eight games, maybe you pull off an upset somewhere in there. It's unlikely, but you could. So like one and is, a half to five is a lot. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is, so there's probably going to end up being four winnable games on the schedule. They probably go two and two. 
in those four winnable games, and then the other eight, maybe they get one. Yeah. And that gets them I mean, I'd go over on the one and a half. I would, too. I mean, that's... And then we're sitting here in November saying, uh-oh, they're 0-10. Hey, they got spring practice this year. That's pushing them over the one and a half. What do you think? Also, UNLV Football News, they will play eight games on TV, at least as of now. Seven on CBS Sports Network uh, and one on ESPN2, the game against Arizona State, uh, will be on ESPN2. Oh, by the way, fun well, you fact. Want that one. <laughs> Did you see that uh, New Mexico State, who is not in the Mountain West, will play more games on CBS Sports Network than New Mexico? Mm, I didn't see that. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, but for, on the UNLV side right now, There's a lot of games on television. There are four games not on TV, which to me is the bigger story. Mm. Home against Eastern Washington, that's going to end up being a UNLV Rebels.com game more than likely. I don't know what UTSA, they go to UTSA and the home team is the one that controls what it's on. By the way, that was another double digit. And I know UTSA, don't they go to bowl games? They're pretty I know good. Yeah. Okay. That was, I, oh, that was another, it was kind of a, Big double digit. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. They're middle. They're, they'd be a middle of the road Mountain West team, okay. and it's on the road. So. And it's on the road. Yeah. Okay. So it's like going to you know Fresno State or something like okay. that. So maybe they're not quite that good, but that's sort of what it's like. Uh, but the other games not on TV for UNLV right now are at New Mexico and Hawaii. So I thought locally they always like picked up the Hawaii feed. Well, well, oh, this, this, this is a Hawaii game. here. Oh, well, so no, okay. CBS and Fox just said no thank you to New Mexico and Hawaii playing UNLV. So I don't know where those end up at this point. Team 11 sports or something like that is where we'll end up watching those Someone games. got the, to know. the joke before I did. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, Lights FC. They haven't won a game, but they've got some good ticket promotions. Speaking of tickets, we have tickets to give away. I totally forgot about that. I'm sorry, Jared. All right. The winner is going to get two tickets. British Rock Royalty coming to the Las Vegas ballpark Saturday, June 26th, Under the Stars. They'll be performing songs from The Who, Pink Floyd, David Bowie, Queen, and Led Zeppelin. So again, British Rock Royalty, June 26th at Las Vegas ballpark. We'll take caller number three at 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by Prop. Swap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Joshua is back. He got the A's winning yesterday. We have a jersey. If you manage to get to nine, we will not tell you what that jersey is until you get a little bit closer. So, Joshua, where would you like to go? It's Friday, so you can pick anything from the weekend. It doesn't have to be today. It just has to be done before Monday. So, where would you like to go? Anything. Y'all give me a lot of variety. I was going to go with the Golden Knights tonight. All right. We'll put you in. Golden Knights, Game 7, hosting the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. Uh, if they win, we'll be talking to you actually on Tuesday because we're off on Monday. So if they win, we'll be calling you again on Tuesday. Thanks, Joshua. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Later. Uh, our last two sharps have both lost picking the Golden Knights. Yeah, I was going to actually <laughs> I was gonna jump in and go, maybe don't, don't do it, man. But... <laughs> So maybe maybe we're the problem. It's not the fact that they can't score. It's it's us. Um, so we're both looking at this uh, story with from Tyler Dune, Go Long TD, that he talked to Lynn Bowden about Lynn Bowden's very brief time in Las Vegas with the Raiders. 
Uh, not a good look for John Gruden and the Raiders coaching staff. How much of this have you actually gotten through? Not much. I can't say I have. I saw the quote where he said, if you're not a Gruden guy, you're not his guy. That, I mean, that that to me is not shocking. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if you're a Gruden guy, you are. And if you're not, I don't know if you're, how long you're going to be there. And I, I haven't read it. I'm not going to comment. I mean, if you're not a Belichick guy, how long are you at the Patriots? I mean, I'm sure, I don't know what that means. If you're not a Gruden guy, you're not his guy. So if you remember, Lynn Bowden was at a house that got raided. Right. Uh, and Federal if, agents but, went in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if I remember correctly, they were raiding it for drugs and yes. weapons. Yep. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Bowden was there when it happened. According to this story, Lynn Bowden, like, raid happens. He go. He went across the street to the sidewalk and FaceTime Rich Basakia, who is the special teams mm-hmm. coordinator with the Raiders. And it was in the middle of a coach's meeting. So Rich Basakia was in a meeting with other coaches, and I guess Lynn Bowden basically told him what was happening. And this is Lynn Bowden's quote during that phone call, or that FaceTime. Nobody was sticking up for me. I could hear the other coaches, well, you know it's a drug house, it's a gang-related house, so he could have been in it. I'm hearing it. This is my first time even telling anybody this bleep. I'm hearing them, so I'm already knowing that's their mindset. Oh, man. That's his side of it? That's what he's saying happened when he FaceTimed Rich Basakia and he could hear other coaches talking in the background because they were in a meeting together. He genuinely did what coaches always tell the players to do. Like, if you're in trouble, call me. Get me, yeah. like, let me know immediately so that we can handle it. And they immediately were like, oh, he did that. He did that bleep. I don't know. The other detail know. in the story related to that is that neither Mike Mayock nor John Grude never asked him about it. That he never had a conversation with Mayock or Gruden about what happened, you know, why he was there, what, what the relationship was with that house and all that. Which is, even if Lynn Bowden was still on the team, seems like a failure well, in leadership to not have that conversation I mean, with them at some point. Yeah, I mean, if that happened and they didn't talk to him, that's surprising because I would think you'd... I mean, let's say you take the opposite approach of what he says they took and call him and say, are you okay? Like, you check in with him. Whether right. you believe him or not, you check in. He was, he was in a house that just was raided for weapons and guns. You drafted him. I would think where you stand on the side of whether you believe he was involved or not, at least the GM would reach out and say, are you okay? Or what happened here? I mean, that, that doesn't, you're not, you can, you don't even have to take a stand and call the guy and just say, what's going on. You know, right. we heard this happened. Are you all right? I mean, and then you can go to the next level of, okay, what went on here? I mean, yeah. that they didn't, if that's true and they didn't call at all, that's pretty staggering whether you believe him or not that you wouldn't. And, and then he came into camp yeah. And no one said anything to yeah. him like, hey, how you doing? Or did something happen? Or hey, I think it was at his grandma's house. So yes. how's your grandma? I mean, all of that is really strange that no one said anything yeah. to him about it, it's kind of which bizarre. is what he's saying. Yeah, which is what he's saying that nobody said it to him. Now, outside of that, um, something Lynn Bowden did not enjoy was being used as the Joker in camp before he got traded away. Because Lynn Bowden apparently like wanted to be, wants to be a slot receiver. And that's what the Dolphins use him as. The Raiders kept saying, he's a running back who's going to catch passes, line up right. in the slot, take handoffs. And, he, I mean, he's a quarterback in college. Yeah, and throw some passes for right. him. And so like he's got things in here where he felt like he was misused. He said there was one play where he was asked to block a 350-pound player. And he was like, I weigh 190 pounds. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. So he feels like he was misused. 
But the the uh, ran over the line that Tyler Dune used um, is that somebody compared this to basketball, where John Gruden was trotting out two big stiffs to post up on the block while everyone else is launching three pointers. Okay, I love that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Lynn Bowden not exactly thrilled with his brief time as a Raider. Gruden loves three pointers. <laughs>